Until you stop breathing, till you stop bleeding, until your heart stops kick drum beating. When it's hard times, when it's long days, and the enemy is right up in your face. When your back's against the ropes, and you're feeling all alone. Keep fighting the good Be the voice saying you're gonna make it when you're out there on your own. You are never alone. Keep fighting the Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all as Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain Just paid it all, and 
and strangers the king and the beggar bleed the same we've all got a sickness a terminal condition we medicate it but the pain won't go away 
see the eyes of a million faces Looking for it in a million places Only one can save us, Jesus Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, right? Buenos dias. Good dog. Hey, it's it is um. It, it's good to be together, and one reason where it's good to be together is so that we can do things like pray. And right now, we're going to pray for Elise Vasquez. She was uh, just left. She's going to the hospital. She's having weird, really bad heart palpitations and dizziness, and. Um, and so she's never had this, anything like this. So, uh, yes, cat took her. Yeah, so, um, so they're going to go, yeah, they're going to take her to the ER. I'm going to pray that it's nothing and that if there's anything to be discovered, the doctors would discover quickly, but better a healing. So let's, let's do that real quick. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for Elise right now in the name of Jesus, God. Just pray that your angels would go before her and around her and with her. God, I pray that um, whatever's happening in her body, you would, you would cause her heart to uh, line back up and beat correctly. Lord, I pray the blood, uh, pray that the blood would be flowing in the right way. Lord, I pray for a miracle in the name of Jesus. God, we ask for a miracle, God. Father, if you choose to use the doctors for the miracle, we accept that. But God, we ask that you would be involved and, and give her peace. Um, also in this process, even Kat, as she's drive, driving her, uh, give them both peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if uh, your wife, if Matt's wife could explain to him that our, our sign language interpretation just left. And so, does somebody else want to interpret sign language this morning? That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone remember when somebody snuck into uh, one of Obama's speeches? 
and and they interpreted Obama, and they what they were doing was not real sign language, and they stood just feet from him the whole time, acting like they're doing sign language. It's pretty funny. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for me um, as, a, as a pastor in, in these moments to go, okay, so we want to pray for Elise. We're going to start the service, we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing a f- upbeat song. And, and how do you handle all this? Um, just what goes on, just being kind of open and, and transparent. It's like, wow, that just changes things. But it doesn't change who God is. You know, we worship God not because uh, we feel like it. We worship God not because everything is fine and dandy in, in your life. If, if, uh, if everything is fine and dandy in your life, raise your hand. <laughs> right? Because we can all think of something that is not fine and dandy. Um, we don't worship God over those things. We worship God because he's worthy. We worship God in faith. That, uh, that he is working on our situations. We declare things, even the Bible says that we declare things even though they are not as though they are. We declare things like, in the name of Jesus, Elise is healed. We haven't seen that yet. We don't know what God's going to do, but we begin to speak in faith. It um, doesn't mean we can just speak anything we want into faith, but we, we do want to line up with the things that are according to God's will. So even in worship sometimes, we're not feeling it, but, uh, but we know that it's true. And so we're going to worship God, and we're going to worship in spirit and in truth, and we're going to sing and clap and, and celebrate um, that. And then, uh, yeah, so, so let's, let's do that. Amen? Let's stand, and uh, stand if you're, as you're comfortable or able to. Uh, of course, you can feel free to sit down. Um, dancing room is up front. Um, anyone who, you know, kneeling, whatever, we want to worship God in all the ways he professes, including with the clapping of hands and uh, the stringed instruments. But uh, I'm going to ask somebody out there if they just pray for service real quick. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we just come to you and thank you so much for today. And we pray for service, that you would touch everybody with what you want them to hear. And thank you for worship. In Breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of Glory, the King of Love, all who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder.
Has anyone experienced his amazing grace this week? Amen. Amen. I feel like I'm living it every day. Amen.
dark tried to hide you and steal you away. Death tried to keep you inside of the grave. The enemy fought you, he tried but he lost. You cannot be stopped. When we cried for freedom, you tore down the walls The weight of our burden You carried it all Our fears and our failures Hang dead on the cross You cannot be stopped Mover of mountains, breaker of chains, Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won. Nothing can stand against our God. Nothing can stand again. 
Shout your praise, our hearts will cry. 
God, you are great. And with every breath that is within my lungs, I want to give you praise. God, because you're so worthy. God, you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We're going to have a time of communion, so you can be seated. I'm going to ask the ushers and leaders to go ahead and begin to pass out the elements. When you get the the bread and the, and the juice. Go ahead and just hold on to it for a minute. We're going to do communion, and then we're going to sing one more song at the end. You know, communion is and should be, at least, a very, very special time for us as believers. We'll pray for the elements in, in just a minute. Just go ahead and have them passed out. You know, some churches do communion, the Lord's Supper, every week, every service. Uh, some churches, like we do here, we do it once a month. Uh, some churches uh, do communion just in their life groups. The important thing is that whenever we do it, we do it in remembrance of him. Communion is about what Jesus Christ did for us. Communion is a time where, where, where we actually commune with God and understand his love for us and his 
his sacrifice. And sometimes I think we're like the disciples. Even when Jesus was trying to to help them understand that he was going to the cross. And Peter said, no, Lord. Jesus rebuked him. One of the strongest rebukes I've ever heard in that get behind me, Satan. Jesus had a mission. And that mission was to go to the cross, to suffer, to die for our sins. Because nothing was going to truly ever bring forgiveness of our sins. Some people don't believe in Christianity because the the hero of the story dies. Some people have a hard time with Christianity because we're so we, we have so many failures and faults and and the leaders, the people you read about in the Bible, all of them made so many mistakes. Why would you want to be part of a religion where it shows that all the heroes are are full of fault and failures and it's its own hero of the story has to die. But that's what makes Christianity amazing is because we relate with all the heroes of the Bible, with all the greats that went before. We relate in their humanness, their lack of faith at times, their discouragement, their impetuousness. They're doing it their own way. I've never done any of those things. I'm sure you haven't either. We needed a savior. And communion is about celebrating and remembering what Jesus did for us. In the, in the scriptures in Leviticus, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, no remission of sins. There had to be a blood sacrifice. And, and in the Old Testament, the, the lamb that was being sacrificed year after year and, and at the other lamb at the Passover who would, uh, so they would sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, that was pointing forward to a time when finally there would be one sacrifice for all time, and that was Jesus. Jesus, after having dinner with the, with the disciples, he went out and he tried to express and explain these great things that were about to happen to him. At that dinner table, the disciples they were still a bunch of knuckleheads. They didn't understand what was going on. And, and Jesus said something that for, for some, if you've been in the church, is, is great and it's normal. But, but if you've never been to church ever and this is your first time, we're about to do something that sounds really weird. Um, the same thing that Jesus did. They were having a traditional meal, which would have consisted of, of matzah bread and, and wine. And this is just grape juice for any of you who are freaking out. <laughs> and there would have been a number of cups um, at that dinner table for, for representing different things. But Jesus took that matzah bread. It was, it was bread without leaven. This is the same. Well, it's not the same bread. It would be pretty stale by now. But it's the <laughs> same type of bread, matzah bread. No leaven. It was always made with these little holes in it. It looks like a you know saltine cracker or something. Um, it was always had these holes, and those holes lined up, and and so these crackers, these this bread that it's not a cracker, it's a bread, was pierced all the way through, 
and there were stripes on it. The Bible says that by his stripes, we're healed. Jesus came to become the bread of life for us. And he said something strange at that dinner table. He said, this is my body. Take and eat. Jesus was willing to sacrifice his body to allow his body to go through such excruciating pain. I don't know if you've ever, if you, if you like words and break them down, but the word excruciating comes from the Latin for out of the cross, ex crus. Excruciating is a word that de is derived from the fact that Jesus went to the cross. Christianity is all over the world, even in our languages. He went through excruciating pain for us in his body, in his physical body. He felt everything that you and I feel. He said, take this bread. Father, we thank you for the bread of life, who's Jesus, that this matzah represents unleavened, no sin, striped, pierced for us. Thank you for the bread. Let's take together. The Bible teaches us that in the same manner, he took the cup. And this is where it gets weird. If you've never been here, he said, this is my blood. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We don't believe that this turns into blood. It represents the blood of Jesus. Even by taking it, what we're saying is we receive Jesus' sacrifice, which is hard for us to do because we as humans try to do it on our own. When somebody sacrifices for me, I, I actually feel bad. I don't know what to do with it. And we've had so many people sacrifice for us over the last months, financially, time, love, care. It's made me feel so, I've been humbled by it. Jesus gave us the biggest sacrifice. We can't earn it. We just have to receive it. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, the only thing that can actually forgive our sins. Father, as we take this communion, we examine ourselves, and Lord, if there's anything in us, anything wrong, we ask, God, that you would bring correction and forgive us as we confess it to you. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. God, as we forgive those who've sinned against us this morning, we want to be in right relationship with you and we thank you that Jesus shed his blood so that we could. Giving thanks, he said, this is my blood poured out for many for the remission of sins. Let's receive the drink together. You know, ever, ever since that day, hope has been available. Ever since that day, life has been there waiting for us. Ever since that day, absolute forgiveness of sins has been there. And so many of us, we look in other parts, we look to other things to fill us, to give us hope. But nothing, nothing can satisfy, only he can. We're going to sing one more song. I want to celebrate. You can stand. You can sit. But let's, let's celebrate even as we sing. It's, it, the song is called Graves into Gardens.
It says he turns mourning into dancing. Nothing is better than him. Treasures that fade are never enough. I just lost my monitor, so turn the house, the click up. Not the click, but the thing. So I can hear it. And put me back together. Can we get more music in the house? Like by a lot. Thank you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Verse 3, I'm not afraid. Show you my weakness, failures and flaws. You seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again oh there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you oh there's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. You turn morning to dancing. shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn morning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn graves you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. 
you turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. The only one who can. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Let's sing that again. There's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn gray. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. Only one who can. You're the only one who can. Hallelujah, Lord. God, we thank you that you are the only one who can. Father, we thank you so much for your love this morning. We thank you for the victory that you've given us. We thank you for healing Elise. We thank you for moving now, even all through this room. God, touching, healing, giving hope, giving life. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, there we are. <laughs> well, welcome, Journey Church. We're so excited to have you guys here. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, we would love to get connected with you. One way you can do that is by filling out the connection cards that are in the pockets of the seats, and then you can put those in the tithe and offering boxes in the back of the room. Just a couple announcements. One is that we have um, Judy Rogers. Her memorial service is going to be right after our regular service here today. So we're gonna do a little bit of setting up the food and then um, we're gonna celebrate her life. So um, if you knew her or if you wanna support the family, we encourage you guys to hang around afterwards. Um, wait for it. <laughs> the next announcement is just a reminder that we do have our annual business meeting at the end of this month. It's the last Sunday of this month. So if you are a member, we definitely encourage you to come to that. Um, and then if you would like to become a member, please make sure that you connect with Pastor Rob, and we would love to show you how that works. Um, and now we're just going to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings. Let me bring up a verse here. You know, when I'm thinking about 
tithes and offerings. I can. Ha- I have to be honest with you. There's only so much you can say sometimes when I'm, we're asking for our tithes and offerings every week. And um, but I think the Lord is really trying to, at least in my life, encourage us to trust Him. And that comes in all forms, whether it's our finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's a job, whatever that looks like for you. Our job is to trust in God. And um, I wanted to read you this account in the Bible. It's uh, Matthew 14, 22 through 33, and it's Jesus walks on the water. It says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You guys, this world is going to continue to throw wind and waves at us. But our job is to trust and to have faith that God is going to take care of us, whether that's in our finances, whether that's with our relationships, whatever, again, that looks like for you guys. We have to have faith and trust that God is going to take care of us. Those wind, those winds, I mean, it, it was windy a couple, like last week, right? That was crazy. I thought we weren't in Kansas anymore, Toto. Um, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if we keep our eyes on Jesus in all matters, in ways that we want to be obedient to him, in the ways that we want to trust him, in the ways that we just want to worship him, he is faithful and he is good. And he will take us up out of that water. He will help us to walk on water. So let us just... Trust in him in all that we do. Amen? All right. Uh, Let me pray real quick, and then we'll get going. Father, you are so good, and we thank you so much that we can trust you in all things. God, we can trust you in the ways that we give back to you what you've already given to us. We can trust you in the ways that maybe we're going through some hard times right now. Maybe we're hurting, but God, you are faithful, and you are good, and we pray and ask that you would help us to keep our eyes upon you and not allow the things of this world to come in and distract us, but again, to just trust and know that you have us in the palm of your hands. Lord, you are good, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to welcome everyone who's also tuning in online. Uh, in the different places through Facebook and our website. Um, Amen. Hallelujah. It's rocking a lot. There we go. So this morning, 
Uh, I just leaned back and, and mentioned something uh, to Mike, Mike and Elise, who are our Kids Zone directors, and they are doing a great job. Um, and, and I mentioned something to him when Jesse was reading her scriptures, and he, he chuckled. And he says, we are doing the same scriptures that Jesse's reading in Kids Zone today. Walking on water. For us this morning, we're in Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. If you go to your Bible there, and the first one who's there, please read the, uh, the, the, the heading over Mark 6:45. Really? Wow. Wow. We're today in Mark 6, 45. Jesus walks on the water. And none of us talk to each other. So there is something in these scriptures this morning that somebody must need. I think it's really cool. It's really cool. Though I thought for a second, you know, I thought she's stealing my thunder. She's reading these scriptures. And uh, I wanted to read those. And oh, okay. Oh, there we are. As we've been reading and studying through Mark, um, we've seen a number of themes. Uh, as you're reading, if you're also doing any con uh, reading along and doing um, some commentaries each week that we've been there, and we've taken a lot of breaks, of course. Um, one of the things that, that I talked about, and, and you may have noticed, and Jesse already read it in this scripture, is the word immediately. Remember, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark uses the word immediately a lot, and to show that there's an urgency, the things that are happening quickly, um, and there's, there's an immediacy. So um, the word immediately is, is found more times in the book of Mark than I think any other, other book. Um, for instance, uh, immediately the leprosy left him in, in, I think, chapter 1. Immediately Jesus knew. Immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately the girl stood up. In the chapter we're in this morning, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. Down a little bit further, immediately he spoke to them and said. So that's one of the things we're seeing Jesus doing things right now, urgent, immediately. What is so urgent? Well, the gospel the power of Jesus coming to us, that is urgent. One of the things we need to remember is that each gospel was written by a different person from a slightly different perspective with a different view in focus. If, if today after the service, we polled different people and said, how was the service? What happened in the service? Some people would say, we did a new song, it was great. Some people would say, the worship was too loud. Some people would say, uh, we had communion, it was great to connect with the Lord during communion. Some people will bring out one or two points of my message. Some people will come up with something that doesn't even happen here today. It happens all the time. You know, people go, I just loved your message and that part, and they tell me something that I preached, and I'm like, I didn't say that, but, but God does something in the hearing, right? and, and he does these miracles. We all have different perspectives, so we're going to highlight different parts. 
the gospel writers did the same thing. That's why there is some differences. Um, Matthew emphasized Christ is the king. He wrote to a Jewish audience and he wanted to let them know that Christ, the Christ, and then in, in turn, Jesus Christ was the king. In Mark, we find that Jesus is the son of God. And it highlights his servanthood, the servanthood of Jesus. In Luke, he, Luke emphasizes that Jesus is the son of man. He came as the son of man. And John straightforward declares Jesus is God. They have similar, they have the same accounts. Sometimes they vary uh, just a little bit. Some accounts are in one or two gospels. Some are in three. Only one, I think, is in all four. Um, and so, but, but they overlap, and we need all of it to get the picture. And we have to understand that there was a, a certain viewpoint that was being written about. Uh, so Mark, one of the things he's doing is he's keep uh, talking about immediately. He also, in account after account, is showing us that Jesus has power. He has, he has absolute power, and his disciples, whom he calls, don't get it yet. We're going to see that. They, they don't get it. Um, he has power over sickness. We talked about that, where he can heal sickness. He has power over nature. There, that was a, some incredible miracles where he calmed the sea. He, did, he calmed the sea two different times. He speaks to the sea, he calms it. He has power over demons. The power of Jesus is highlighted in the Gospel of Mark. And Mark shows us that the kingdom of God is not just for the Jew, but it also includes the Gentile too, which is good because I'm not a Jew. The, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God is that Jesus supersedes just the Jewish nation and he came not just for the Jewish nation, he came for all of us, which is a really good thing. Salvation, healing is both for the Jew and for the Gentile. Uh, in chapter 7 next week, uh, I think we're going to get to um, one of the healings of a Samaritan or a Gentile. Um, Jesus, he called his disciples. He's performing miracles all throughout the book of Mark to restore them, to heal them. And all of these miracles are also to declare who he is. He is God. He is the king. He's the son of man who came in power, and he has power over sickness, nature, and demons. The thing is, that, and I just said this, is that his disciples, and, and we're only in chapter 6, Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, they're not fully getting who he is yet. I mean, they know he's got power, they know something, they, they, they might even know that he's the Messiah, but they don't understand that he is God, that he is coming to die, to resurrect again. They, they, they trust him, but they don't fully trust him yet. I'm glad none of us are in that same boat. I'm glad that all of us 100% always fully trust Jesus. Aren't you glad? So we're in good company again this morning. We're in company with the disciples. Now, we always think, man, these disciples were amazing, and they were, but they're, they were also human and fallible. 
So as we're going through the book and as we go through the Bible and you read the Bible on your own, um, there's a, a number of things you can do, but I want to highlight just a couple things. When you read the Bible, I, I want you to ask things like this. What is this speaking to me? So um, I, I'm uh, going through, I, I'm reading in like three different spots right now in the Bible. I'm going through a chronological Bible, so I'm in the book of Job. So I'm in the book of Job, and there's all these accusations about Job not being a righteous man, and yet at the beginning of the book it says that he is, and all of his friends are saying, you know, you've sinned, you've blown it, and, and we're just going on in these conversations. Now, now in a little while, I'm going to be into a really, really exciting book of the Bible called Numbers. When we read the Bible, one of the things we, we, we're reading history and we're reading these things, but we're saying, Lord, what do you want to speak to me? You, you should pray that all the time. What, what, do, you, what do you want to speak to me? Um, how does this account, how does this pertain to me? And, and you, there's not always a great answer when you find out that, you know, Noah begat Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and, you know, you go through these lineages and you're like, I don't know how that relates to me other than it made me want a ham sandwich. <laughs> but you pray, and you say, Lord, speak to me. What's awesome is that he might speak something right out of the scriptures that last time you read them were boring. So we want to pray these things. How does this kind of pertain to me? Lord, what are you wanting to show me? What are you wanting to show me? Well, well sometimes he might show you something like this. God cares about every generation. Wow. Out of, out of the genealogies, the people, he might show you, you know, God cares about every generation. God's a God of order. That's why there's numbers, n numbers things. God loves accountants, which is really good because not everyone loves accountants and people like that. What do you want to show me? We want to go in that. We, we do that today with the word. Learning about Jesus and about God's interaction with man is, is so important and great. Understanding the history of the Bible is really important. Some of you eat that up. I love that part of it. I love the history. I like to find out, you know, uh, who, was, who was leading in Rome and what was happening in the, in the world. I, I, that's just, it's fun. Um, and and it's, it's also important to understand the history and the culture of the Bible in order to even interpret it correctly. So those of you who love the history part, when I was in school, I hated history. I, I mean, I hated school. I mean, I just did not like school at all. Um, I, I got a love for history um, in, in my adult years. All of it, you know. Um, so the history of the Bible is good. And if, you're, if you love that and you kind of tend to get lost in, in reading things, you know, about the history of the Bible, um, it's good to read it. And it's good to know the history and the culture of the Bible. But in addition to containing history and, and um, these different things, the Bible is living. It's alive. The scriptures say that it's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it wants to speak to us. It gives us direction and hope. So this morning as we go, we're, we're looking for that direction. We're looking for hope. We're looking, what do you want to speak to me in this passage? We're not just going uh, through each section of Mark, 
uh, just so we know the history or we can learn about, as, as uh, Mickey taught, uh, you know, about the Herods and, and different things going on or the geography of the lake, which we'll talk a little bit about today, maybe. Um, but uh, we want to say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? How does this apply to me? And, and Lord, how do you want me to live? Um, and, and we also be praying for those who are hearing the word next to you. We're going to pick up this morning after the feeding of the 5,000. And, and remember, there was, there was uh, multiple feedings. There was the feeding of the 4,000 in both Matthew and Mark, the feeding of the 5,000. And um, he's doing miracles. There's a, a number of miracles with food, uh, food and drink. He, he multiplies wine. He, he multiplies the bread and the fish. Um, and uh, some of his other, other things that happen during meals. And we're going to see one of the reasons I think there's a tie in that. And so we're going to go ahead and read one more time Mark. This time it's Mark. And Mark 6:45 to 52. Jesse was reading out of Matthew this morning. Um, and Matthew is the only one of these accounts of Jesus walking on water that Peter is mentioned. So Peter's not, not here. But it's the same account. And if you read it, it's, word, it's almost word for word the same until we get to Peter. So um, starting in verse 45, reading out of the ESV, Father, thank you for this word this morning. Help us to hear what you want to speak to us. Help us to know uh, what you have for us in Jesus' name. Immediately he made his disciples, there it is again, get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against him. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and he cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. We're going to get to that last verse here um, in, in this section. We're going to just hit an, uh, a few things in our time so we can, can hit them good. There's, there's a lot, actually. Um, there's even, just I'm going to throw it out, there's even some discrepancies of where they were going and where they landed. Um, they were heading off originally to Bethsaida, and then we're going to find out that they land at Gennesaret. And we're not going to touch that, and really, part, partly because none of the scholars agree what exactly happened on that. Lots of opinions. Um, and so we're not going to uh, touch that. There is a reason, and when we get to heaven, we'll know the whole one. I'm still, still trying to find out what, where I lean. You know, we all have bents. Um, some of these things aren't, aren't that important. Um, I'll go to the beginning. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go, go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. So he just fed the 5,000. Um, he's, he's telling the disciples to go on ahead of him. He then dismisses the crowd. In the next verse it says, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus often goes to the mountain to pray. He, he, we find him very early in the morning, the Bible says. He goes to the mountainside to pray. Um, this time he goes up onto the mountain, and his disciples are, are in a boat, and they are crossing to the other side. It's a few-hour um, trip um, 
when weather is good. And it could be a very, very long, arduous trip when weather is bad. So he, sent, he puts them in the boat. One of the things is we already read the whole passage is you get to the end or halfway through and you go, why did Jesus do that? Jesus put them in a boat, left them alone, pushed them away and said, see ya. And he, he didn't go, oh, I should have checked the weather first. He, 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 didn't, he didn't need to check the weather report to find out that the wind and the waves were going to be against the disciples and that they were going to have a hard time. Now, it does say that while he was on the mountain, he saw them far away and, and that they were rowing and that the wind was hard. And that, that's right there is a miracle because it's nighttime. And boats, you know, probably kind of hard to see. And even if you could see the boat, they probably had a little lantern or something on the boat. Could he really tell they were fighting? Could a normal person? No, but Jesus did. He did not send them on the boat because he did not know it was about to happen. Sometimes Jesus puts us in a boat and sends us right into tumultuous waters. Amen? He sends us into things that are difficult. He doesn't do that because he's mean. He doesn't do that because he's trying to kill us. But he does that because he wants us to grow. He does that so our faith will grow. He does that sometimes to help us understand that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, and in him we can do all things. See, Jesus never, the Bible never promises a perfect, easy life for those who follow Jesus. The disciples are definitely testaments to that. So, so Jesus knowing that they're going to be okay, sends them into the storm. And then what does he do? He goes to the mountain and prays. Now, Jesus praying is a little interesting for me. It shows the Son of Man. It shows that, that he, was, he had his earthly side. He had communion with God, but he was also the Son of Man. He experienced pain. He experienced hunger. I think he experienced dread. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That's dread. He knew what was coming. He wasn't happy about it. But for the joy, the Bible says, set before him, he endured the cross. Not for the happiness of it, for the joy. So he experiences these things. He goes up onto the mountain. He's the son of God, but he's the son of man. He's incarnate. He's in the, he's in the natural man. And he prays for us. Jesus actually prays not just for himself, but he prays for us. He did on this earth, and he does it in heaven. In, in John 17, 22, you can keep your finger in Mark because we're going to go back. John 17, 22. This is Jesus speaking, and it says, he's saying, I do not ask for these only, but those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. He's having this great communion with the Father, that they may also be in us, so that the world 
may believe that you sent me. Dramatic pause. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one in them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for us because he prays for all those that come after. Jesus prays. It says that he always lived. The Bible says that he always lives to make intercession for us. Luke 22, 32. If you're taking notes, you can go there if you want. Luke 22, 32 is a great passage for us as believers as Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, that does not encourage me. That, that scripture does not encourage me that, that Satan could be before the throne of God saying, hey, God, I want to sift Rob like wheat. I want to sift him. That doesn't sound good. It, doesn't, it, it really doesn't. And so what did, what did God do? What did Jesus say? He didn't say, and I told him no. Now, that's, that's, the, that's, that's my version. I, I want him to say, and I says, no, you can't. But he says, don't worry. I have prayed for you. Let me find this here, 2232. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is awesome and scary and crazy. Satan asked to sift Peter. Peter says, I've prayed for you. Oh, by the way, you're going to fail. But you're going to be restored. Isn't that what he said? He says in 33, did I just lose my page? No, left side. It said, I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, Strengthen your brothers. Didn't have to turn again unless he failed. <laughs> Jesus prays. He intercedes for you, for me, for the disciples on the boat. It's awesome. So going a little further in the, in the book of Mark. And, and I have to end on time today because we have a memorial right after service. So um, I'm, I don't know how far I'm going to get. Wherever I get will be the end. As we go on, evening came. The boat was out at sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. We don't know for sure when he sent them in the boat to go across. It would seem that he sent them early. He was going to dismiss the crowds. They were still around. 
They would have to walk back to their homes. It would seem that the, the, there's a great time dif distance here. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So if he released them at 6 p.m. or even 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., that's getting kind of late to let these people walk home. There is still a six to nine hour span of Jesus up on the mountain, the disciples rowing and having a hard time. What I see in this is that Jesus sure did take a long time to come and help them. Has he ever done that with you? You ever been out there going, God, are you coming? You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm suffering here. And then you pray the same prayer weeks or months later. Sometimes it feels like a really long time before the Lord answers. But he sent you in the boat and he prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And he knows that in him we can do all things. We can make it through this trial. There's something that's been going around. I'm glad it's getting corrected. You know, social media can be a, a wonderful place, can be a, a, a bad place. Not, I want to encourage you, it's not the greatest place to get all your theology. But this has been getting corrected on social media, which is really good. For years, I heard, God will not give you anything that you can't handle. Now, they get that from a scripture that says, there's no, no uh, temptation that is not common to man. With every temptation, God will give you a way out, and they change it to God will never give you something more than you can handle. I'm sorry. He's given me stuff that I can't handle. You? Anyone else? So what, 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 is, he, what is the real truth? He will not give you something more than you can handle in him. If you, if you go to him, if you... Submit yourself to him. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You're going to go through a whole lot of things in this life that you cannot handle on your own. Stop trying. Go to him. Go to him. That's what we need to do. We need to take everything to him, everything to God in prayer. And so he, he I, I'm just going to say, it, he takes his sweet time to start walking out on the water. Now, now, Jesus knows everything. I'm not saying he was just, you know, playing tic-tac-toe or sleeping. I think he's praying. Does the scripture say it? I think he's praying. I think he's interceding. And he knows the right time to come. He knows the right time. In your situation, he knows the right time. Now, this next part can be confusing. And, and I'm going to share with you some thoughts that I have about this, you can take them and, and see if this lines up with the character and nature of the scriptures and of the Lord. He says, I keep going to the wrong side. He says, he came to them in the fourth watch of the night, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. Now, Mark is actually one of the gospels that has the most kind of questionable things in it of the others. Um, they didn't even do any commentaries on the, on the book of Mark until I believe it was the 6th century A.D. 
Um, they, the, a lot of people says, well, it's pretty much just the same as Matthew. So they focused on the other three Gospels on Matthew. And Mark was, uh, there were some weird things, things that almost seemed like discrepancies. And this is one of them. He meant to pass by them. What on earth does that mean? Did you have a problem with that? Have you read that and went, huh? Wait, like when Jesus, he meant to and he, and he changed his mind, he forgot, I don't know. So, so let me take you to a couple places and see if, if this might be the reason he meant to pass by them. Exodus, keep your finger there, go to Exodus 33. Moses is having a conversation with God, which is awesome. We should have those same conversations with him regularly. The difference was Moses was about to get a, an incredible treat, a scary, incredible treat. I want to see your face, Moses said, uh, starting in verse 20. You cannot see my face, uh, Exodus 33. You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And then the Lord does just what he says, and Moses sees the backside of God. And he, and he sees and he proclaims the Lord, the Lord. This is a little bit further down. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And that's just the backside of God. God passes by Moses so he can see his glory. He doesn't even let him see all of it. And this is what Moses sees. It's awesome. You don't have to go there, but in, in um, 1 Kings 19, God tells Elijah to go and wait, and he says, I'm going to pass by you. And all these things happen. He's not in the earthquake, and he's not in the big wind, and finally he's in the whisper. God passes by us to show us his glory. God passes by us to show us his power. God passes by us so we can see him. It's, it's like an epiphany. God chooses to pass by us so we see him in his full splendor. And Jesus meant to pass by them. He wants them to see his full glory. He wants them to see his power. And they saw him walking on the sea, and they think it, they thought it was a ghost, and they cry out. And they all saw him. They were terrified. But immediately. You know, I heard a message years ago, and, and it's, it's such a good message. I'll probably preach it my own. It's the suddenlies of God the immediatelys of God that are in part of life. But what you do is you look at all these things where people were waiting for God, and then suddenly something happened. 
Isn't that your life? Isn't that my life? We're praying, we're serving, we're seeking, we're waiting, and we're thinking, what's going on? And all of a sudden, suddenly God shows up. He does this a lot where suddenly, after we wait, and our faith is building, and we're relying on Him. It says, immediately, He spoke to them, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, he speaks that before the next section. It says he got into the boat with him, with them, and then the wind ceased. Don't be afraid. Again, if I'm doing this, I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm out walking on the water, and I'm going to go, I'm going to calm all the waves and the wind right there. I don't even have to say to me, then I say, see, you don't have to be afraid. But no, Jesus, he says, don't be afraid. But there's still reason to be afraid because the wind and the waves are still against them. We, we cannot only trust our vision. We cannot only trust that which we experience. He's telling us sometimes you have to not be afraid even though the wind is happening, even though the waves are crashing. And then he gets in the boat and he shows that he has power over every situation. What situation are you going through that you need his power to calm? He wants to calm every situation and every wind and every wave. So we read this, it's, it's so encouraging. You can throw the, the account of Peter in there. You know, he's with us. In Matthew 14, which is the parallel passage to Mark, is it's exactly the same account, but that's when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water, and we always give him a really hard time for sinking. I'm sorry, you ever walked on water, even for a step or two? Give the guy a break. One out of the 11 got out of the boat. When, when, in that account, one of the things that's so important to see is that Jesus was still a little ways away. Peter, he says, if you call to me to walk to you, I will. He gets out of the boat. He gets his eyes off of Jesus. He sees the waves coming, and he gets afraid, and he begins to sink. And it says, immediately, Jesus grabbed him by the hand and picked him up. How, how did that happen? Because no matter how far you feel away from God, when you cry out to him, he's there. Take heart, it is I. The glorious king who has power over sickness, power over nature, power over the demons, I'm here. They've spent time with him. They've seen his miracles. And I'll listen to this as we, we begin to close. I've got, I'll just hit these real quick. Second part of 51. They were utterly astounded. Now, that seems like a good response utterly astounded at, at what just happened. That's, that's, that's astounding. But then it goes on and has a clarifying verse, a clarifying statement. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And I go, can we take that out? Because it just is confusing to me. All you Bible scholars out there are like, wait, what? Does that seem incongruous to you? It does to me. He's walking on water, they're astounded, and they didn't understand about the loaves. So here's my take on it. Here's my take on it. I don't know. But, but let me tell you, share, share a couple things. 
Jesus just had power and he multiplied the loaves. So, so one connection is there. They didn't understand that, that Jesus is above all things, that, that he is he's powerful. And that's part of it, but that's, I don't believe the whole thing. I believe there's some, some imagery happening in here. In Exodus chapter 16, we see that the, the Israelites are wandering in the desert and they don't have any food. And so God sends them manna, manna from heaven, that sustains them over the 40 years that they're wandering around in the desert. I mean, you thought your diet was bland. I think my diet's bland. There's a lot much salt in my diet. Manna for 40 years. White, flaky pieces of a bread-like substance is what they, they ate. It came down from heaven. It was the bread from heaven. God's provision, God's supply, His life. We need food for life. John chapter 6 Jesus is having a discourse with the, with the disciples. And this whole thing, right around verse 30, I think, right around, is he starts talking about, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. Yeah, you had manna, you know, your, your ancestors, they had manna in the desert. They, 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 were, they were fed. Don't miss, I'm the bread of life. You know when I took those loaves and multiplied them and gave them to the people and they, they ate? I'm the bread of life. Not the miracle. Not the multiplying of loaves. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. They did not understand about the bread of life. They still don't know who Jesus is. They know he is not normal. They know he's got words of life. They know he's got power, but they don't get it yet. And we're in good company because we say that we do, but we don't. I mean, there's a part of me that believes that we won't fully get it until we go to heaven. Because we are trapped here in these earthly bodies. The Bible says that we see in part, we know in part, but when perfection comes, we're waiting for that. I think that there are people who really understand who God is better than others. I, I, I believe that. But fully, we are on this journey to understanding who the bread of life is. You, you, are, you are in a unique spot. You are the only you in the world. You are the only one with your doubts, your faith, your experiences, and all those things are, are adding to what you believe about Jesus. He is the bread of life that comes down from heaven that will give you life. He is the master over the universe. He is the one who has power over nature and sickness. His power over demons. And we're watching it. We need to keep being like the disciples. Keep pressing in. Keep watching him. Keep reading about him, trying to understand. And as we go, it's going to be a revelation that's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. You know, when, when many people are first saved, they're just striving all the time. They're just trying to do good for Jesus. And then you find some saint 
who's just been saved for a long time and they have such a peace about them and they're just such a godliness about them, but they're not worried about it anymore. They're not, they've just said, they know who God is in such a deeper way. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. The disciples had to. We're, we're like that. It, it, it becomes exciting. It gives me hope that the Jesus that I think I understand is not who he is. He's so much more. He's so much better. Because sometimes I question him. Sometimes I doubt. Little things. I don't doubt, you know, his deity. And, but I, I doubt maybe he'll be there for me. I doubt, sometimes I think I doubt his power to heal. I hate to say that, but I've seen people not be healed and I've questioned. So we're on this journey together. My heart's hardened. Your heart, I hate to tell you, is probably hardened. We, we've had experiences. We've seen things. But let's stay in the boat with Jesus. It's going to get to the other side, and we're going to watch him do some more miracles. We're going to see his character. We're going to think that, oh, he just loves the Jews, and he's going to start healing Gentiles, and we're going to blow our mind. We're going to think that he's going to come in power and take over and, and free us from Rome, and he's not. He's going to die. We have to stay in there and keep learning, keep pressing in until we fully know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, and I pray that we would be encouraged even as the disciples were in the boat, God, we, we hear you saying to us, do not fear, I'm with you. You pass by and show us your glory. God, help us to see it. Help us to see who you are. Elijah did, Moses did, the disciples did. We, we want to see you in all your glory, in all your goodness, in all your truth. God, remove the blinders, remove the things from our experiences, from our lives that, that taint, that hinder us from knowing you more fully. Continue to walk with us. We thank you that your word says that you will not leave us or forsake us, that you will bring us through, all the way through until we're perfect with you in heaven. God, bless all of us in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is a memorial at 11.30 here for Judy. You're all invited to stay if you want. Um, it'll go from about 11.30 to 12.30. Um, yeah, so, but, so because of that, we're going to ask conversations either in that side of the building or out in the parking lot for the most part. Um, there's people out in the hallway that are, are, are really grieving a loss today. Okay, so it's kind of a, a weird time to, to go out. Um, so I'll just ask that, that understanding. We're going to be moving chairs and tables after the memorial for the food.